This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. World War II saw the use of numerous deception tactics from both sides. For example, British forces used playing cards that peeled away to reveal escape maps. They also hid pistols in everyday objects like pens and smoking pipes, while hiding knives in things like pencils. And of course, there were coded messages, falsified communiques, and countless other methods for fooling the enemy overseas. But back home in the United States, things were trickier. Everyone knows about the rubber and scrap drives to collect the necessary material for building planes and other supplies while war bond sales helped finance operations in the first place. But when it came to building the planes themselves, America needed to keep things on the down low, far from the prying eyes of the enemy. And to do that, they constructed the aircraft in Seattle, Washington. Now, Seattle is situated on the Puget Sound, an estuary leading out into the Pacific Ocean. It's not exactly safe from battleships, submarines, or fighter planes, but that was where Aerospace Corporation Boeing had set up shop in 1906, They were responsible for building B-52s and B-17 bombers, producing as many as 300 of the latter each month by 1944. But in order to keep up with the demand of the United States military, Boeing needed to expand. Its first plant, creatively called Plant One, was a bit behind the times, so the company built out 26 acres of land in Seattle to accommodate a brand new production facility, as well as a town for its workers to live in. The new plant, called Plant 2, incorporated more modern amenities with state-of-the-art assembly lines to keep things moving smoothly and efficiently. And the town itself was also quite impressive, with well-manicured lawns and modern houses. The streets even had tongue-in-cheek names like Synthetic Street. And from a distance, it looked like any other town. And that was the point, because despite its unassuming appearance, it was never meant to be lived in. In fact, if anyone got close to it, they might have noticed that the houses were a bit too small and unfinished. The streets were a little too narrow. And the trees? Well, they didn't really have any leaves on their branches. You see, Boeing hadn't actually built a suburb for its workers. It was just a clever disguise for an airplane plant, which resided 40 feet below. MGM art director John Detley had been hired in 1942 to help the company fabricate a town to hide their operations. Detley had worked on films like Another Thin Man, starring William Powell and Myrna Loy, as well as the Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney film, Strike Up the Band. He was very familiar with building convincing movie sets, and this would be his best and most important work yet. He and his team got to work mocking up houses just over half the size of normal homes, and he only built their shells. The dwellings weren't furnished or even finished, 
They were shaped like suburban homes, and that was enough. The grass was made of burlap and canvas, which was also used to rig up some 300 trees. To make the canopies of those trees, he covered chicken wire in tar and then coated the wire with chicken feathers to give the treetops the appearance of being leaf-covered. They were then spray-painted green. Meanwhile, below the faux streets of Wonderland, as it was called, 30,000 men and women kept things running, working tirelessly to produce B-17s, B-29 superfortresses, B-47s, and more. In the event that enemy planes managed to reach the West Coast looking to attack the plant, the only thing pilots would see was just another quaint American suburb, all thanks to Detley's Hollywood handiwork. Luckily, the fake town was never attacked. Boeing continued to produce planes there throughout the duration of the war without interruption. Afterward, the false houses and trees were dismantled, while the plant below them continued to be used through the Cold War. It was finally all torn down in 2010. And for the fake town and the factory it sat upon, that, as they say in Hollywood, was a wrap. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Some traditions have logical origins. For example, we put candles on birthday cakes because the ancient Greeks did it. Their cakes, though, were made as an offering to Artemis, the goddess of hunting, and the moon. One theory was that the lit candles gave the cake a hazy glow, like a full moon in the night sky. Another idea was that the smoke from the blown-out candles would carry a person's wishes up to heaven, 
where Artemis would be able to hear them. But not all traditions are like those of the ancient Greeks. Some just can't be explained, no matter how much we try. And one such custom happens to be one of the most bafflingly wild activities ever conceived. No one is exactly sure how it started. Some claim that coal miners in the 1970s invented it, while some historians believe it was developed by hunters way back in the 5th century. You see, back then, rabbits, moles, and other critters would hide in underground burrows, making it difficult for the hunters to find them. So they would send another animal into the tunnels to root them out. A ferret. In fact, that's how we get the modern phrase, to ferret something out. But by the Middle Ages, ferreting had become illegal. Now, of course, illegal activities back then, just as they are today, were only illegal to those who couldn't get away with them. So in order to keep using ferrets, hunters would sneak them past the game wardens. And how do you smuggle a long, furry rodent into a restricted area? Why, in your pants, of course. After that, the practice changed into something entirely different. How exactly? Well, those details are a bit fuzzy. But it became a sport called ferret-legging. The rules are quite simple. A competitor stands before a panel of judges with his pants tied at the ankles. He then places two ferrets inside his trousers and tightens his belt at the waist to keep them from getting out. The goal, and yes, I promise there is a goal here, is to last the longest as the ferrets clamber from one leg to the other. None of the ferrets may be sedated, and they must have all of their teeth and claws intact. Oh, and the competitors aren't allowed to wear underwear. Among the earliest players of the game were coal miners in Yorkshire, England during the 1970s. It also found popularity among drunk patrons at pubs looking to gamble on absurd barroom shenanigans, which honestly doesn't surprise me in the least. Now, at first, contestants could only last about 40 seconds before having to remove the ferrets. Eventually, they were able to stand the sensation for over a minute and even go as long as an hour and a half. But according to the record books, the longest a person has been able to last with ferrets in his pants, a sentence even I never thought I'd have to say out loud, is about five and a half hours. That man's name was Reg Mellor, from Barnsley, South Yorkshire. He had originally hoped for six hours, having gotten used to keeping ferrets in his pants as a child. He would catch them and store them in his trousers while working outside in the rain so that they stayed safe and warm. On July 5th of 1981, Reg stood in front of an audience of 2,500 people. Hour after hour, he calmly allowed the ferrets to travel from one leg of his pants to the other in search of an exit they would never find. It took five and a half hours, but they finally gave up. Not the ferrets, mind you. The audience. They got so bored by his attempt, they just got up and walked out. The stage was torn down with Reg still standing there, ferrets still in pants, until the record keepers just called it. He had beaten the original time, but he hadn't reached his goal of six hours, just shy of it at five hours and 26 minutes. As the years went on, ferret legging, like the bell bottoms the animals had been contained inside, fell out of style. Although from 2003 to 2009, it was actually part of the Richmond Highland Games and Celtic Festival in Richmond, Virginia. It was a sport unlike any other, and its existence made no sense. But for those who played it, ferret-legging was a solid test of their endurance, their tolerance for pain, and of course, how much they'd had to drink. Curious? You better believe it. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. 
Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.